Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is January 20th, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. And I just want to, before we start, I just want to say, if you haven't listened to my rant uh, from this morning yet, please go ahead and listen to that. Um, because uh, I think... I don't know. I mean, I recorded it, so I think I have some made some valid points about uh, conservatism in Canada and whether it's alive or dead. Well, you know, as long as you and I have a show, Lewis, it's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see, because the yeah, left yeah. is trying to get everybody on the right band. So, well, exactly, yeah. So. All right, so we got a busy show for you today, Canada. On the show today, McLean's Magazine announces its power list. COVID. Do Canadians really want mandatory vaccinations? Newfoundland election. And what? Politicians with integrity? Where to, my friend? Well, I think the last thing you mentioned is a is like... Uh, fantasy so let's hey. let's start with facts first so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so uh let's go with mclean's power list um this mclean's magazine released their uh 50 most influential canadians um for 2021 uh of course number one on the list is the prime minister justin trudeau i cannot disagree with that no, that's uh, fair enough he is the most powerful person in the country, uh, and he has wielded his power quite forcefully this past year. Um, there's only really two politicians in the country that I feel have have uh, outwielded their power um, compared to Justin Trudeau, who have used their power so forcefully that I think that a case could be made that they have... Uh, that, that there's a lot of government overreach and that that would be uh, Doug Ford and um, oh geez <laughs> I just forgot his name the pre uh, premier of Quebec um, oh Francois Legault Francois Legault I think those two premiers have wielded their power to a much greater degree than Justin Trudeau but Justin Trudeau's power affects the entire country, whereas those two men, uh, their power only affects those within their borders. Um, so I cannot disagree. Uh, Justin Trudeau has gone so far as to ban guns without uh, without the, the House of Commons approving it or even debating it. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's wielded a considerable amount of power this year. And um, so, yeah, I don't disagree with him being at number one. Uh, beyond that, there after number one, there's four people I've never heard of. Uh, and um, reading their bios, I don't know that I completely agree. I mean, there's there's a an activist in there that I've never even heard of. So how powerful can they possibly be? Um, the number number five, I believe, is uh, or number six is Christia Freeland, which obviously I can't disagree with that either. Doug Ford is right after her. Uh, but way down at number 18, after a lot of people 
whose names you'll never recognize, is Aaron O'Toole at number 18. At 18. At 18. <laughs> um, now, I would have disagreed with that until I saw his performance in the past two weeks. And he is solidly moving the Conservative Party to the left uh, of where it is right now, taking it more to where the Liberal Party was 30 years ago. Um, and, uh, and because of that, I feel he is, he, he, 18 might even be too high because he's, he's going to basically render the party irrelevant if he just continues along this path. So, uh, I don't disagree with the official leader of the official opposition being at number 18. And you know, what's sad is that number 17 is, pollster for 338 Canada, Philippe Fournier, and I can't even argue that he was more influential than Aaron O'Toole because he does some pretty good polling for 338 Canada. That's really sad that Monsieur Fournier is higher on the list than Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the official opposition. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, how is a pollster, a pollster shouldn't have power. They're no. supposed. They're all they're doing is reporting on Canadians' uh, uh, opinions and feelings at a specific moment. They're they're not they're not actually influential, but he's he is considered more influential than the leader of the official opposition. <laughs> and, this, and, and after and after the past two weeks, I don't know that I disagree. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Aaron O'Toole, after he won the leadership, he started out quite well. And you and I both said on this show, he surprised us. And that he, it was pleasantly surprising to see how, uh, how well he was performing and how he was getting himself out there in the public and people and, you know, getting his name known and, and all of that. But then he just disappeared and he really has not, made himself visible for for probably a solid month and a half and in the past two weeks has said some things that i'm i just go where is the aaron o'toole that ran for the leadership like this is a different person yeah you know it's almost like well like you say he's pulling the party more to the left and I don't know if he thinks that he's making himself mainstream by doing this because he already is. And instead he's really, he's confusing me because yeah, you're right. You and I had actually given him a lot of props for getting himself out there early on. And I guess maybe just because I have a different perception of the Canadian armed forces, I kind of thought, okay, this guy served in the military. He's going to be decisive. He's going to be the kind of guy that just, gets things done and gets in there, gets his hands dirty. And it's almost like he's backed off and he's waiting for public opinion to tell him what to do. And the thought we've already had those kind of leaders. We don't need another one. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. And the word I think that you were looking for that you didn't, you didn't vocalize was he seemed very principled. Yeah. And, and, and 
he, in this past week, has shown, I think, that he, he isn't principled, that he doesn't have any any core beliefs or principles. He's he's what Justin Trudeau described Canadians to be, uh, you know, with the, with no no identity and no core principles. Like he's he's like a post national politician. Like he he doesn't have any 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 principles. And I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. But I mean, he gave a speech where he, <clears throat> or not. I don't know if it was a speech so much or if it was Twitter, I can't remember, where he stated that he was even lamenting the fact that private sector union membership is down. Well, what the hell? Yeah. Like that, that's, <laughs> I mean, if, if a company is taking care of their employees and the employees go, hey, we don't need a union here because our, our, comp- the, our employer is doing a great job where he's paying us well and our working conditions are great. We don't, we don't need a union. Well, then isn't that a good thing? And, and, and why would, and why would a conservative politician be lamenting that fact? I mean, that's a good thing. That's, that's, it's good for business if unions aren't involved. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. And actually it's funny because I've only worked at one union job in my life, but so many companies I've worked at that are non-union, you'll hear the employees say to a person, if they if they bring a union in here, I'm out of here. And that's a sentiment that's pretty widespread in the non-unionized private sector. So yeah, yeah. What the hell. And, and so, and this is why I made, I did that rant this morning about whether or not conservatism is dead in Canada. Because if you look at, the policies that the Reform Party had, or even the Canadian Alliance had before joining the Progressive Progressive Conservative Party and and becoming the Canadian or the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, there isn't a single a single policy left from from the from the Canadian Alliance or the Reform Party. There isn't a single policy left. Yeah, that that's true, and I mean it was, it was watered down from the start, and unfortunately, it's just it has been watered down more and more, and I think this Mister O'Toole is just I don't know if he's just you know knuckling under to the media pressure or he wants the media to like him, but you've got to understand something, Mister O'Toole, you've got conservative by your name, the media will always hate you, so just be a goddamn conservative. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, I'm lamenting the fact that he was elected leader, and I wish that, uh, and I really, really wish that Pierre Polyev had continued on his quest to become leader, because that's a guy who is principled. Yeah, and he is a conservative. Yeah, and I think he would garner a lot of support just because he you can tell just by listening to him talk that he's a principled person and people will follow principled people. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's true. And he actually even, I'm not sure if he would made that uh, McLean's most influential Canadians list, but he certainly should have because he's got a very big following. Yeah, he did not. Oh my gosh. He didn't. And it's crazy because Michelle Rempel did and he did not. 
okay, that is really weird. Like Michelle Rempel, you I mean deserves to be on that list, but Pierre Polyev would certainly deserve a higher ranking than she would. Uh, he deserves a higher ranking than Aaron O'Toole. Oh yeah. So yeah, I just it it, it it's a very it's <sighs> conservatism is in a very sad state at the moment, and I thought Aaron O'Toole uh, was going to change that, and but it doesn't seem like that's happened. No, and, for sure. And the, and the worst part is, is that we've got an election coming this spring. Yeah, yeah, that is true. All right, so let's move in and uh, let's talk about Ontario a little bit. You talked about Doug yeah. Ford overwielding his power, and wow, Ontario, what the actual hell? So. Ontario is not in an official lockdown. They are in a stay-at-home order, and Ontario citizens are allowed to have their own discretion as far as they consider what an essential you know, reason to leave the home is. But you pointed out to me, Lewis, that a lady did try to leave the home for an essential purpose of getting groceries, and you've had small kids. I've had small kids. We all know it's much easier to go grocery shopping without them so she committed the crime of doing what with her kids dropping them off at their grandparents house oh my god yeah and under the stay-at-home order it is uh, a legitimate reason to break the rules um by or sorry a, a legitimate reason for breaking the rules is child care but they still ticketed this woman for breaking those rules and even though she explained to them the problem i mean it's a national news story i mean this is this is not something that they've even backed off of the fine stands and she dropped her kids off at the house apparently okay so this is here, the police are saying that that's not why she was ticketed. But they're not saying why she was ticketed. They won't even give a reason. My thought is that it's because she went into the house and uh, the kids were eating pizza. And so she waited for them to finish. And I think that was the crime, was that she didn't pick up her kids and leave right away. And, and the neighbors reported her. And this is what is happening to our country. We're turning into a country of snitches. And I've, I, I just am blown away by how willing people are to turn this country into East Germany. Because that's what happened in East Germany. You ratted out your own family members and neighbors for wrong think and for breaking any rules. And that's what is happening in Canada now. Neighbors are ratting out neighbors. They're even ratting out family members. Yeah, it, that's ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, and thank you for filling in the rest of the story because I didn't realize that that was what she was uh, got in trouble for. But obviously the police well, well, officers that ticketed her. Sure. We don't know what for sure what was she was ticketed for because the police will not right. say. 
But yeah. that's my suspicion. Right. Now, obviously, the police officer either doesn't have small kids or is just a jerk because how much of a low life do you have to be if this is indeed the case how much of a low life do you have to be to find somebody for the crime of standing in the in the lobby of, or in the doorway while your kids finish eating and that i guess as a father it really really pisses me off to hear that but just as a decent human being like what the hell is going on with this country yeah i don't know i mean we, we said this was going to happen. You and I said this was going to happen on this show. And that's what's happening. Another time that we did not want to be right. Yeah, absolutely right. So um, on the COVID theme, let's stick with that. Uh, poll just recently came out that really, really disappointed me. And that is that two-thirds of Canadians not only support vaccinations, but two-thirds of Canadians support mandatory vaccinations. Because, of course, we all know what's best for our neighbours. So, again, what the hell? It's up to me if I get the shot. And I'm not just because, not just speaking in my civil libertarian self, but it's my personal responsibility self. If I want the shot, I get the shot. If I don't want the shot, screw you. Who are you to tell me I should get it? Yeah, this is another thing that's really bothering me is there's a very, there's an authoritarian tone uh, to people right now. Um, and, and I'll be, and I'll be quite honest. It's on both sides. It's both right and left, but it's mostly left. Um, and this is part of that authoritarian attitude. Uh, I mean, I'm pro vaccination. I am, but I'm pro vaccination with vaccines that have been thoroughly tested and safety, uh, studies done and, and all of that. And, you know, I mean, under normal circumstances, it would take eight to 10 years to get a vaccine to market because of all the safety testing that they have to do. And if you notice all of these vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, the vaccines that have been approved so far have not been approved. They've been approved uh, for use in emergency situations. That's what they've been approved for. Which means that the vaccine makers are, are completely and entirely exempt from lawsuits for adverse reactions. And that's why the government has set up the adverse, the vaccine adverse reaction uh, fund for settlements with people who have adverse reactions because we have no idea what the adverse reaction rates are going to be because the safety testing has not been thoroughly completed because you know, there hasn't been enough time. So they've these vaccines have been approved for emergency use only. Yeah, see, you know, uh, like you, I'm not anti-vaccination, but I think I got 
the bigger wake up call about that when I was talking with my wife about both vaccinations, because she, she works in the medical field. She actually has a friend who's an epidemiologist and she works at the University of Saskatchewan, which is a big time research university. And she said the exact same thing you just did. She said, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting that shot. She says, I'm not, you know, I don't know what it's going to do to me yet. And I was taken aback a little bit because she's very health conscious and yeah. And I thought, okay, if she's hesitant to get the shot, there is no damn way I'm going to get it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's something that people don't understand is that these vaccinations have not been approved for market. The, these are emergency use only approvals. And, yeah. and, and people don't understand that, that there's a huge difference. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, sadly, in our current state, it's a moot point because the provinces are now running out of vaccines. And Pfizer just told the Canadian government, oh, yeah, you're not getting any next week now where it was first it was you'll only get 80 percent oh no you'll get 50 percent oh by the way you get no vaccines next week and i heard an interesting interview on i want to say it was power play and it might even been roy, roy green but regardless that this might even be a dispute between pfizer and the canadian government over taxation and pfizer flexing their muscles so I don't know what to think, but I do know that Canada is once again at the back of the vaccine bus. If that's what this is about, I mean, obviously it's it's not uh, a fact that this is what it's about. But if it's if this is a business dispute, like over taxation, then shame on Pfizer. And, oh yeah, and they should be they should be penalized for that. I mean, this is, that's ridiculous. Yeah, like I Anita mean, Anand, who's the uh, Minister of Procurement, she's been on every talk show lately, and she was saying that you know, she demanded equity from Pfizer, and Pfizer did, you know, well, according to her, assured her that Canada would get equity in shipments, but Europe is still getting there to the same numbers, but they're still getting uh, vaccine shipments next week, and Canada... Yeah is not yeah and and it's interesting because you would expect the prime minister of canada would would come out and say hey this is unacceptable i have called the ceo of pfizer canada and said you know fulfill your commitment and get us those vaccines but we we didn't hear that we did not and no and but we did hear that from one politician and that was doug ford doug ford called pfizer himself because our prime minister didn't yeah that's right and doug ford even said look there's a pfizer plant in kalamazoo michigan six hours from toronto help us out and will it do any good who knows but at least he made the call well, yeah at least he tried yeah i mean <laughs> our prime minister isn't even doing that because no. you know you know, if he had, he would have broadcasted all over the country that he tried because he loves nothing more than to appear to be the hero. So if he had tried, you know, he would have said he would have told us he did. Yeah, exactly. So, 
All right, so we've got a couple more topics to get to here. I know your time is limited, so let's jump into election mode again. Now, on this show, we discussed late summer, maybe it was in the, even in the early fall, when Andrew Fury became leader of the Liberal Party of Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, we both had talked because we thought it was kind of strange. He had said at that time he wasn't interested in seeking a seat in uh the Newfoundland legislature and that there were, even though there was some by-elections supposed to be called and they had just had an election a year and a half prior. Well, suddenly now he's had a change of heart. He's seen what pandemic elections look like in Canada, provincially anyway, and decided it's time for Newfoundland and Labrador to go to the polls on February 13th. Opportunist. Uh, yeah. Just like every other politician that's called an election so far and just like our prime minister will be as soon as he calls the election for canada totally because he i the way i look at it is dr fury looked and said okay new brunswick minority government turned it into a majority british columbia minority government turned it into a majority saskatchewan had a large majority maintained that exact majority but every time the government has either maintained its power or increased its seat count. So I think he looked at that, rubbed his hands together and said, yep, it's it's our time to turn our minority into a majority. And this is what's wrong with politicians. And this is why you're right again when you had said in your rant a week or so ago that it's time for political revolution. It's time to stop electing politicians because this totally smacks of opportunism to me, and it just it disappoints me to say the least. It ticks me off to say the most. Yeah, and I mean, chances are he's he's going to come back with a majority government. Oh yeah, and um, and their polling kind of backs that up too, and and I mean, and I want I want to take this federally because that's that's going to be the big election coming this spring and why do we keep saying that it's coming this spring well because that's the word we're getting out of ottawa it's sounding more and more like there's going to be a federal election this spring and uh and i was talking about this back in december when i when i told you that uh that uh, justin trudeau was was trying to recruit minority candidates um and there would be no reason for him to do that unless he was planning on having an election real soon. Um, and, uh, and again, Canadian common sense was right on that subject, right? I mean, <laughs> we're going to have, we're going to have a, a, a federal election this spring. Um, judging by the polls, if they hold, Justin Trudeau will come away with a majority government after countless ethics violations and possible criminal violations with the we charity scandal and um it's i i just don't i'm i'm just speechless i don't know what to say well again you're right and he will win a majority government and even if, and he will win it by, well, like I quoted Tom Mulcair or paraphrase Tom Mulcair last week that he's going to win by cozying up to the NDP, stealing the NDP's policies. And the NDP is going to be 
you know, shown to be irrelevant and they're going to get absolutely slaughtered in this election, probably drop down to about a dozen seats. And Mr. Trudeau may not get a majority, but he's going to get a strong enough minority that he will only need, again, one dancing partner to ram through whatever legislation he wants. And if that doesn't fuel the fires of Western separation, I really think that the Western Canada has Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I and this is and I was actually saying the exact same thing you just said about the NDP uh, to my wife earlier today. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, I said the NDP is going to get absolutely decimated in the in this election. They're the, they may even lose official party status. I wouldn't and, be surprised. Yeah, and you'll see uh, Jagmeet Singh lose his job. And rightfully so, because he's been absolutely terrible. And um, and I think Aaron O'Toole will lose his job, too. Because even though he only just got elected leader, um, the liberals, the liberals are so damaged and such. uh, uh, I mean, they've they've served it all up on a platter. And if you can't capitalize on that then even though he's a new leader, I think he'll lose the job immediately. I mean, I I just don't see how you could possibly stay on as leader when, uh, when a, an absolutely terrible leader right before you, uh, you know, brought the, the governing party down to a minority government. And then you, allow them to win a majority. You know, it's, I, I just think that the leadership in Canada's parties, in all parties, including Justin Trudeau, the, the, the leadership in the Canadian parties, political parties is just trash right now. And, um, and I think that everyone, but Justin Trudeau will lose their jobs. <laughs> yeah. And see, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if he will or not, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't see the CPC, increasing their seat count. I don't think they're going to lose a lot of seats, but I think they're going to lose a lot of votes. And it's not going to matter if they lose votes in places like Alberta or Saskatchewan or the interior British Columbia, where I think they will lose votes to Maverick Party or People's Party, but not enough where it's going to split the vote enough for the CPC to lose any seats, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think no, they'll be I, popular I support. That. I agree with that, but I just don't. I just don't see them increasing their seat count. No, no, no. I don't. I don't either. I do. Like I said, I do. However, see the Bloc Québécois and the NDP losing a lot of seats, and I think the NDP are just going to get slaughtered. Yep, I, I'd agree with that. I think they're going to. Yeah. All right. So we've got well, a few minutes left here. So I teased at the beginning of the show that there's actually two politicians in Canada who have some integrity. And, uh, okay, stop laughing, Canada. It's it, there, there is. There's only two. But we found them. And they're both <laughs> at the provincial level. Um, I'll start in Ontario. And it was Ontario MPP for the Progressive Conservatives, Roman Baber, who was ceremoniously dumped from the PC caucus and told he will not be allowed to run as a PC candidate again for the crime of 
saying that lockdowns don't work and providing evidence that lockdowns don't work. Something that mm-hmm. we have been saying on this show. So now well, we, I guess, can't be candidates for the Ontario Progressive Conservatives because we agree with Roman Baber, who actually stood his ground and, you know, probably said it's unfortunate he got kicked out, but he but said that, you know, he stands by what his his evidence or that lockdowns don't work and his opinions that lockdowns are actually causing more harm than good. So uh yep. I'm all I mean I I say good for you, Mr. Baber. Yeah, and this is actually um information that is being brought out by a lot of people now. Um but it's not getting coverage in the media. And it, and it's like we've even seen uh, uh scientists who are now saying that the lockdowns don't work. But you won't see any media outlet carrying that except the independent media outlets that uh, that don't have to worry about, you know, being cancelled. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Because, yeah, you're right. You're certainly not seeing it in the, uh, you know, the McLean's and CTV's of the world. So... It's yeah. unfortunate, but uh, yeah, I I support Mr. Baber. I, I uh, don't know if he'll run again as an independent, but at least he was willing to, to stand his ground and you know kept him with some integrity. Yeah. All right. So and now, now who and who's the other one? We'll move west to Alberta, and it's Cypress Medicine Hat MLA, member of the Legislative Assembly. He's a United Conservative, Drew Barnes, and I I mentioned him in a rant at the end of. Uh, last year that he was uh, suggesting that all Alberta politicians and top level bureaucrats should take a 20% pay cut. And so then he decided that he was going to, going to walk the walk. And he decided that not only was he going to, to cut his own pay, he has decided he is donating 50% of his salary for this year to charity. And he started the ball rolling with his first donation this month to the Salvation Army and Medicine Hat. Excellent. Yeah, and he's, of course, encouraging all other politicians to to join him. And none have at this point in time, big surprise, including the 7,814 Alberta civil servants who got a pay raise last year to the tune of $18.4 million to the Alberta taxpayer. Yep. No, it, it, it's actually quite shocking to me that in a time when tax revenues are way down, lots of people are losing their jobs, uh, that governments still see it necessary to give raises to either themselves or to uh, top-level bureaucrats. I mean, we saw the federal government uh, pay federal government employees their full salaries to sit at home and do nothing for months. Yeah. Um, when every when everybody else in the private sector had to go on CERB or uh, or EI, and 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 I'm not and this isn't people who were staying at home and working on a laptop. This was people who were doing nothing 
They were sitting home doing nothing because their time was charged to a uh, to a, a time code for when they don't have anything to do. And it was thousands of employees. Yeah, that's right. And the Canadian Taxpayers Federation actually surveyed provincial governments and the federal government for as much data as they could. Now, certain provinces went back further than others, but the general conclusion was not one government in Canada has ever cut the pay for civil servants. And the closest any of them ever come is that Manitoba, back in the Gary Philman days, had forced civil servants to take one unpaid vacation day a month and there was another province that did something similar but no no government in canada has ever cut the pay for civil servants and to me that's i don't want anybody's pay cut let's get that out of the way but when times are tough everybody should 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 you know feel the pain share the pain as it were so why are we giving civil servants and bureaucrats raises when people are getting laid off in the private sector. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's not fair. No. And I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I would have thought that in, um, in Ralph Klein's first term, they would have cut pay. They cut staff. Like I, cause I actually lived in Alberta. I was in university at that time. And yeah, he had, he had, ordered departments to cut 20% and in the education sector that they, all they did was they, they cut lower level employees. They amalgamated school divisions. They cut teachers and janitors and support staff and yeah, everybody else kept riding high. Oh, they didn't actually cut salaries. No. Oh, okay. See, I thought they did. All right. There were some freezes, but no cuts. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, I mean, this is, it, it, the government, this is why government is such a problem, um, because government seems to think that there's this endless supply of cash and uh, and that debt doesn't matter. And um, it's it's wrong. It's completely wrong. And we see this time and time again. And that's why people like Tony and myself uh rail against big government and um and want to see you know accountability brought back to politics and there is none there's no accountability no absolutely not and so i mean i really applaud people like mr barnes that he's uh not just suggesting a pay cut but he's actually doing something about it i mean obviously he can't cut his own pay but at least he's saying here i am giving away my you know half of my salary and i thought that's fantastic. That's leadership. That's yeah. what we need in this country. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So, all right, Canada, we're going to leave you on that note. So uh, there is at least two politicians in this country we can look up to out of the thousands. Yep. And until next time, you, know, you can look forward to a few more rants this week because we left a lot on the table today. So uh, until next week, it's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night, Canada.